heard and we've prayed for examples of persecution amongst our Christian brothers and sisters in other parts of the world who are suffering just because they are Christians. There's lots of suffering all over the world. We're particularly thinking of those who are suffering just because they're Christians. So we're going to think about um, some verses in James in a minute. And as we do that, excuse me, (coughs) don't mind getting me a glass of water, please. As we do that, I want us to do it kind of prayerfully. James says, you know, when trouble, how we should live as Christians when trouble comes our way. And I want us to do this prayerfully with some of these ideas and stories that Steve has already shared with us in our minds. So, suffering. Well, you know, it's a huge thing, isn't it? Why is there so much suffering in the world? That's, that's up there, isn't it? As one of the main questions for the whole human race. And it's one of the reasons that a lot of people say they cannot believe in a good God. If there's a good God in the world, why isn't he doing something about all this rubbish? It's a huge question. And there are no satisfactory answers. Please don't sit there thinking, we're going to get some answers this morning. You've only got to read Job. As that plays out, this question, why am I suffering? You know, and if you're like me, whenever I read Job, and I'm not saying I do it often, but when I do, I always kind of hope it's going to end differently. (laughs) I always think, when I get to those last chapters, and it says, and God started speaking, I think, yes, this time, he's going to explain everything. But he doesn't. Instead of that, what we get is Job getting a a little glimpse of who God is. That's all he gets. I've got that in capitals in my notes. He gets a glimpse of God's power, of his awesomeness, of his worth, of his care, of his delight in what he's created. And we, with Job, just fall silent before this God. But if we read with faith, we believe that he is good. We fall silent before a God that at that point we know is good, is not absent, who does care, and that he is with us. But we've still got all the problem of the suffering, our own and in other parts of the world. Marcus in Sudan. We've got Alan here in our presence from Eritrea. She has come to this country as a Christian, fleeing as a refugee. That's bringing it very close to us. No, we don't have answers, but we do have ways of thinking, believing, and behaving. in relation to suffering, that helps us to be grounded and even to grow. 
You know, when Andy asked me to speak on this Sunday, this uh, when we're particularly thinking about our persecute, the persecuted church in many countries of the world, um, I said to him, well, what, what scripture should I really go to? And he said, well, anywhere. The whole New Testament was written into and out of a church that was being persecuted. That was the backdrop to the whole New Testament, including the Gospels, because they were written during that time. The church was birthed in Jerusalem, where anyone could probably very frequently wander up the hill outside the city and regularly see someone slowly dying by crucifixion. The church was birthed into a brutal and oppressive climate you know it's good to read we know it but it's good to be reminded you know I I did go on to google and I read how the Roman emperors for 300 years really tried hard to stamp out Christianity because they saw it as such a threat and for me it's one of the massive evidences for the truth of the gospel because humanly speaking The Christian church shouldn't have got anywhere. And it didn't just struggle through. It thrived. It spread. It grew. That's really amazing, isn't it? So this is the backstory um, to James's letter. You know, the fact that much as we obviously don't want to suffer, somehow... James is telling us suffering can refine us. It can expand us. It can soften us. It can strengthen us. It can grow our faith. Do you know, and even as I say those things, I'm conscious that there are experiences and perspectives that really mean that it can easy, be easy to sound harsh. You, know, you don't know what I'm going through. Expand me. Soften me. Strengthen me. You must be joking. So I am going to try this morning to be simple and helpful without, I hope, being simplistic or unsympathetic. <coughs> so I want to start by reading James chapter 1. And can we just have... Verse 1 up, please. This letter is from James, a slave of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. I am writing to the 12 tribes, Jewish believers scattered abroad. Greetings. I don't want to rush over that because... It's part of the backdrop. You know, it's interesting to me that apparently most biblical scholars think that this James who wrote this letter was not of Peter, James and John, not one of the disciples, not that James. This James was the brother of Jesus. And he became the central leader in the Jerusalem church for its first 30 years. He's writing this letter... Much of his church has, frankly, scarpered. They've gone, a bit like Marcus. 
that uh, Steve wrote out about. They've gone. They've gone a long way away. They've fled from persecution, very understandably. But James, apparently, stayed put, praying, teaching, and trusting that the God who'd raised his own brother from the dead would complete what he'd begun. He was stoned to death, it's thought, at about AD 60. So this is the James we're talking about. And what does he say about suffering? Well, let's now read verses 2 to 4. Verses 2 to 4, this is what he says. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. And chapter and verse four says, "So let it grow." Let's stop there. No, we'll finish reading verse four. I'm sorry, verse four. So let it grow, for when your endurance is fully developed. You will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. I mean, verse 2 on its own is hard to take, isn't it? When troubles come your way, consider it pure joy. You know, that's the thing to start with when you visit someone who's really got trouble, isn't it? Well, James does go on to acknowledge, doesn't he, that when troubles come our way... Our faith is tested. We might doubt that God is there at all. We might doubt that if he's there, he doesn't seem to be good or he doesn't seem to be doing good things for me. We might doubt that the gospel is a reality, that Jesus really did come to save us. But I like the way this version says Endurance has a chance to grow. Let it grow. You know, endurance or patience, and some uh, versions interpret this word endurance as patience, doesn't necessarily, doesn't automatically grow when you're suffering. Bitterness might grow instead. Or depression or anger, or hate, or a spirit of revenge. But, says James, there's a chance for endurance, for patience. That's so much more positive and so much more helpful to us, isn't it? And James says, give it space to grow, let it grow. This is what is what it means to be a Christian. This is how, as Christians, we should seek to respond when we face difficulties and suffering in our lives. And this is what also makes way for joy. Well, okay, James, perhaps we're not quite convinced yet. It all sounds great. Yes, James. Endurance is an admirable and hugely positive quality. That we admire in others. 
It's great for films, isn't it? Creates real tension, endurance. And, and it's wonderful when we hear real-life stories where people have overcome huge difficulties through simply plodding on. Yes, we admire that. We're convinced it's a good way to go. So in one sense, James is simply stating something which we know to be true deep down. But within the context of faith, and faith in a good God that James is talking about, there's something different going on here. And it's good to note that James is saying it's a process. It takes time for endurance to become fully developed. We're not the finished article. And when he says, I don't know what you think about that phrase, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. I know that sounds like kind of being dead to me. It sounds like being with God in eternity. But there's probably a long way between, isn't there? Being perfect and complete, needing nothing, and being in a complete and utter panic. Let endurance grow. That's what, that's what, and James is talking about that within the context of trusting in a good God. You see, it's endurance that comes from God. I don't think this endurance is fatalism. I don't think it's just giving up or allowing feelings of powerlessness to disable us. Or even gritting our teeth and muttering, mustn't grumble. You know, it's a positive thing. It's about growing in our understanding of who God is. It's being positive. I'd like to read now verses 17 and 18, a little bit further on in the chapter. Because James, later on here, he talks about who this God is. That he's encouraging his scattered, persecuted Christians to trust in and look towards. He says, whatever is good and perfect comes down to us from God the Father, who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. He chose to give birth to us by giving us his true word. And we, out of all creation, became his prized possession you know god is this source of goodness and perfection that's what james is telling us he's saying he's the creator he has spoken he's the god who wants to bless you he wants to be in a love relationship with you are you suffering james is saying here look up look at the stars and remind yourself who god is and what he's like uh, Steers mentioned that I'm going to interview uh, Vivara this evening. She, many of you know her. She's a Ukrainian who's uh, in our church. She's not one who came recently. She's been here a very long time. She's absolutely quite an amazing person. I, I would say she's one of the most amazing people I know, actually. Um, she came to speak to me and chat with me because she's a little bit underconfident and about what she might say this evening. And so I feel okay about sharing this story with you because she's going to share it this morning. She was brought up in a little village in Ukraine. 
um, to into a situation where her, her parents were alcoholic. I don't think she ever actually knew her father. She was very clear. Her mother let her know that she did not really want her. She was unloved. She was neglected. She was dirty. Um, her hair was always a mess. She had clothes that didn't fit. Um, she, when she went to school, she couldn't concentrate. She was ill-nourished. She was totally, really neglected. And she told me that her first experience of God was when she was four. She woke up in the night. She found she was alone. She couldn't manage to get out. The door was locked. She climbed out through a window. And she walked down the road. And it was a moonlit night, a full moon. And she looked up at the moon. And she whispered to the moon, Is anybody there? And just as she did that, a light breeze passed over her face. And from that moment, she believed she was not alone. She had no idea about God. But she believed she was not alone. And as she carried on growing up, in a really haphazard way, she kind of got hold of, she formed an idea of some sort of higher power in her head. She might have called him God. But it wasn't until she was 24, she was taken to a Christian group. And she just opened her heart. She was just full of joy. She realized that she was meeting the God who had shown himself in Jesus and who told her at four that she was not alone. She's gone on to be a really strong Christian. I've read a book recently, and the subtitle is How God is Not Like Us and Why That's a Good Thing. It's quite a good, it's quite a good thing. It's quite a good book. And here, the way we've read in, verse, in these verses, we read in verse 17, he never changes. And that's a big way in which God is not like us, and it's a good thing. So whatever is going on for you now, you will know that God never changes and he will never stop what it says here. We're his prized possession. He will never stop valuing you. He will never stop loving you. And he can help you and teach you and me to endure not because we understand what's going on or we develop some sort of rationale for it or why it's happening. But as our faith grows in God, who, who is this God we read about, the God that Vivara was spoken to by at four years old, so endurance can be given a chance and that will lift us and will strengthen us and will lead us to joy. Now, I don't think that James is changing the subject when in verse 5, I'm ready for verse 5, he starts to talk about wisdom. I have noticed in myself and in others that when some sort of trouble comes my way, 
I can get into a bit of a panic and really quickly run about here and there trying to find a way out, trying to find a way to solve it. And this does not always lead to wise choices. We want to relieve our suffering and the suffering of others. We, we work hard at trying to find a way. Wisdom can go out of the window and we can make a bad situation worse. We desperately need wisdom when we're in trouble. And that's why James starts talking about waves. Verses 6 to 8. So in verse 5, sorry, I didn't read that, did I? In verse 5, if you need wisdom... Ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. But when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. That is the source of it all. Let's not pretend or run around trying to find it somewhere else. Do not waver. For a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they're unstable in everything they do. Do you know, I, I have often felt like this. Toss this way, toss that way. What about this? What about this? Let's try this, let's try that. It doesn't get you anywhere. Waves are fascinating. They can be beautiful and sparkling. I'm sure we all love to watch them. They draw us. They can be beautiful and sparkling or angry and wild. But at the end of the day, waves are the random products of other forces of wind and tide. The challenge of faith is not to be a wave. There are many winds and tides in human life. Our persecuted brothers and sisters know that only too well as a daily experience. Some of them can make us sparkle but others pull us down. The call of James is for us to grow character that keeps us steady, whatever is happening. That is the endurance that comes from God. For myself, when when troubles come, I immerse myself in the Psalms because all of life is there. You know, Psalm 11 begins with, I trust in the Lord for protection. Why do you say to me, fly like a bird to the mountains for safety? You know, we all have our equivalent of flying like a bird to the mountains. A place that we go to, to try and get safety. Instead of trusting in God. This doesn't give endurance a chance to grow, and it can easily lead to unwise decisions. Jesus' followers are not simply supposed to survive, clinging on by their fingertips. We're supposed to grow stronger. 
to let patience and endurance work right through our system. Now, I read this this week, and I just really, I, I really, it's been buzzing around my head. I want you to get hold of it. Faith, wisdom, and patience. That's the three things. Faith, patience, wisdom. Faith is what happens when you look away from yourself to God, who is so much greater than you. That's what Job did. Patience is what happens inside you when you do that. And wisdom is what you get when you learn to trust God for everything and you discover that the, how that trust works out in everyday life. Faith is what you get when you look out to a God who you're acknowledging is so much greater than me. Patience is what I get when I do that. Wisdom is what I get when I learn to trust God for everything. And I see calmly how it works out in everyday life. It's not that it's not practical. It's not that we should just sit there doing nothing. It's not that. Of course we need to make sensible decisions, but we need to make sensible decisions. We need to be calm. We need to work out of that position of faith, patience, wisdom. Learning who God really is, growing in that, and like the psalmist, reminding ourselves of it regularly, speaking out truth. That is the key to it all. Without that, we are easily double-minded, like the wave, tossing about this way and that, panicking, overreacting. We need to get centred in who God is. This is what our persecuted Christian brothers and sisters must be doing. This is how they're functioning and growing and being strong. You know, in verse 18... Uh, thinking about how God is not like us and that's a good thing. God is opposite to a wave. The wave comes and goes. God is permanent. And when God speaks his word, things happen. Things happen to us and they happen in us. His word is like medicine that goes down deep and heals inner hurts and changes inner motivations. We need to allow the word of God to do that work in us, especially in difficult times. It's so easy to lose sight of what God is saying when we're in the middle of trouble. But that's when we need it most. And James is saying, your difficult situation can actually facilitate that kind of growth. The Psalms are the most wonderful help with all this, I find. And so many of them are a kind of massive mixture, aren't they, of crying out to God, bemoaning the terrible state of things, in quite strong language sometimes, 
but also reminding and restating who God is. And, and I read them at the moment in conjunction um, with these poems by Malcolm Guite. He has written, he did this uh, during the coronavirus. He wrote 150 poems, each one a, son a sonnet, each one a response, a personal response to each poem, to each psalm. 150 psalms, 150 poems. And, and his, um, his psalm, his response, his poem... To, uh, to Psalm 9, which is a, a psalm which praises God for all the good things he's done, but also calls on God to put things right. And there are two lines in Geit's poem, which I, I really love and I've really been thinking about. And he says, and even now I will rejoice in him now when it sometimes seems that goodness fails. I love the I will in there, even if everything seems hopeless, at being intentional about taking joy in God, rejoicing in God. And his poem, that's a response to Psalm 4. Psalm 4 is a mixture, as I've said, of crying out to God for help and trusting him even in the pain. And it's the last of these four lines, which I really love, but I need to read the four for you to understand. Guy's poem says, Take refuge in the shelter of his love, who hears your call and feels with you your pain, who does not keep his distance high above, this is the line, but brings his light into your little room. You know, that's how it feels sometimes, doesn't it? Our world contracts when we're going through hard times and we feel in a little space and alone. I think about our Christian brothers and sisters. I've been in Afghanistan meeting with Christians in a little room. That's what they have to do. They have to meet in little rooms, quietly. But that's how we feel. A little room. Everything's, I'm here and I'm on my own. But he says he brings his light. God comes into our little room with his light and his love. I'm going to ask Dee if he'll come up with the Hebrews reading ready. Is that okay? I'll have it, I'll have it here for you, Jay. I'll have it here for you. Um, as we come towards Hebrews um, 2. As we come towards communion, because of course when we think about communion, Hebrews 2, as we come towards communion, we come to a God who suffered for us. And this Hebrews reading came into our little space, he came into our wounded world, he came into our little room, and he suffered because there was no other way. For a while. Sorry. Therefore, it was necessary for him to be made in every respect like us, his brothers and sisters, so that he could be our merciful, faithful high priest before God. Then 
he could offer a sacrifice that would take away the sins of the people. Since he himself has gone through suffering and testing, he is able to help us when we are being tested. <laughs> 